rest of this. Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever the mountain, just like, thank you. I spelled when I was carrying it. Sorry, right. I went to make it thank more. You. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. So, you've just been having a chance of hot chocolate. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> How are you, Ian, mate? Um, I'm all right. I'm looking forward to the prospects of being on a podcast with background that you could probably get DMCA for. <laughs> so um, no, no one's going to hear this podcast. Oh no, it's perfectly fine. Sony or PMG are going to be like whack it off the air. Well, am I am I audible by the way? You are audible, man. No okay, worries. Cool. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that audible? That is going to be. Yeah, that'll be fine. People actually have commented that they actually like some of the background noises. It just makes it feel a lot more real. Gives us such a break from that talking. I know. I can't do now. Trying to listen to a coffee maker and there's some comedians going on about their life. Speaking of which, um, what? No. Walk straight into that one. Yeah. Um, So what got you... In fact, no, let's start with this. what was your when did you start enjoying performing when did i start enjoying performing um i don't i don't know if i ever did um (laughs) (laughs) as a sound of like several listeners switching off um no uh, when did i start enjoying performing um i think maybe around the time of university okay um in fact, no, before then. Before, I think when I came out of the womb, okay. actually, and I, I just came out with jazz hands. Well, I'm ready for this. Yeah. And I have recollections in school of attempting to be more performative in certain contexts. I remember um, we did drama at, uh, school when I was like 12 or something like that and my mate and I wrote a play based on the video game theme hospital I Um, want to so much more about this um, well it was rubbish Um, it was it was a bunch of um, in jokes I think about uh, about theme hospital the sort of announcements that you would hear of theme hospital and uh, you know the sort of illnesses that people had in there like King Syndrome and that like people who thought they were Elvis yeah Uh, and um, me and my mate thought that it would be a good idea to try and plumb some more depth out of the, <laughs> out of those characters. So how many so did you cast in one of these roles or? Mm. Yeah. It was a group of I think about six of us. And um, we uh, we did it during one drama lesson eventually after me and him poured over the script for a good few days. Nice. And um, and it, it was terrible. Um, and the reason it was terrible is because the first lesson of um, playwriting, which I didn't, or play directing rather, which I didn't realise at the time, was um, you kind of need everyone in the cast to have read the script <laughs> in order for them to actually say the lines that you wrote. <laughs> They're generally not that psychic actors. They no. can't really tell. No. They can't look at you and think, like, I know exactly what this guy would have written. Oh. about a guy who thinks he's Elvis. <laughs> so we shuffled aimlessly oh. through this completely under-rehearsed play. Nice. For, I mean, I think it was only five minutes, but... It, it felt like so much longer. It felt like six, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and, um, and then the bell went off for lunchtime, and uh, the teacher 
just said it. Right, we're finished. <laughs> no, no comments. No comments on uh, the writing or the performance whatsoever. But that's largely because neither of them really existed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, that was that's kind of cool though that you actually had the the wherewithal to actually write your own play. I kind of count as fan fiction, I suppose. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Of all the things you could pick to write a uh, play around, I mean, actually, it probably, that might be a goer. It's probably something I should, yeah, all right, cut out this bit of the podcast. This is my idea. I want it back. I want it back. You're going to. I'm messaging Bullfrog Games as we speak <laughs> the rights. So is that what your next Edinburgh show is going to be about? Just the theme, the theme hospital play, how it should have gone. Yes, but Or like just how theme hospitals should. Basically, just you talk about theme hospital, just talk about theme hospital and why it's a great game that one. It probably might be, I mean, like, it might be a goer that, like, during Edinburgh last year, um, whenever I had uh, quote unquote important people coming along, uh, obviously all audiences are important, but um, uh, there are certain. There are certain people in the industry, yes. uh, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between, who can actually um, get you more of people like you. What? Yes. What? <laughs> they've got the golden key. They're the gatekeepers. Oh, um, dear. And uh, a few of those came along to watch my show. Did they um, have black? Were they like wearing black hoods with like red eyes? Well, no. But this is the thing. Like, um, in order to advertise that on Facebook, I started posting photo like, like screenshots. Of the VIP characters from Theme Hospital, yeah, like uh, obviously, you know, it's this this sort of top hatted, mustachioed, uh, aging bloke wandering around, and then you hover over it, and the label will say Ong Sang Soo Chi, Burmese Democratic Leader, um, and I just posted those to try and get some to rally the troops a little bit. And some people seem to know what I was on about. Yeah. It had nothing whatsoever to do with my show no. that year. So, so how how um, how did uh, did they receive you well? Like the the powers that be. Um, spoiler alert! No. Oh. Okay. Um, well, it was. Well, they're idiots. I'm sorry. Bless <laughs> you. Thank you. Did you see my last show? I saw. No, I didn't see the last show. It just that was a purely speculative. But I saw the I saw the preview. Oh, did you? I think I saw a preview at Healing. Uh oh! What was that? The really early preview where yeah. I, I chucked two people out. Yes, I think so. Yeah, there was an audience of um, <laughs> five people at the at the beginning of the preview, and uh, <laughs> I chucked two of them out um, because. Uh, well, this is the thing. Like, this is the thing with audiences. They um, can be good. They can be good. They can be quite nice. They can be affirming. They can also be. Uh, relentless sick fans who yeah. give you all the wrong ideas about your material. Yeah. Uh, less about them. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, generally with previews, like uh, the benchmark at the start of the writing process is as long as the preview goes ahead, it's a win. Yeah. Um, and so for this one, I had uh, three kind of so well the promoter was one of the audience. So I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> um, well, six, well, there were six, including me. I think at the end of the preview, more yeah. people came in. But basically, yeah. we had two people who had just kind of like come in. They hadn't seen each other in years, oh dear. apparently. And they caught a whiff that comedy was happening in this function ring. Mm. And so they came in. Um, and it seems apparent very quickly that they couldn't hold off their urges to 
catch up with each other. Oh dear. Long enough for 50 minutes of hastily written comedy <laughs> to be digested. Um, and so they just kept on chatting amongst themselves. A fairly audible volume. Oh dear. And it's it's that kind of difficult volume, basically, with audiences, like where uh, it's it's not loud enough for you to hear what they're saying, mm. but it it is loud enough for you to hear that there's disturbance. Yeah, so it's more like a muffled, like yeah, that's but the worst. And because you're focusing on it, you're focusing on the audience oh. and their reaction to it. That's what you can hear over everything else. That's the worst kind of like audience disruption, I think. Like, yeah. A heckle is, is fine in comparison yeah. because a heckle is an offer. Yeah, you can deal with a heckle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's information, you know, whether yeah. that information is your shit or here's my idea for a better punchline than yours. Yeah. Um, you can do something with that. Um, but if it's someone talking not to you but to their friends, and you can't hear what they're saying, yeah. but it is distracting, yeah. then the first thing you have to do is actually get their attention and yeah. underrate them. And that's a real momentum killer. Yeah. If that, you had me in the first place. Mm. So momentum is scarce in the comedy world. It, it really, really, it really, really, well, it can be, yeah. Mm. It's, well, for most people, it's fleeting. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. something that you need to build up, and unfortunately, once you've built it up, you need to maintain it. Yes. And yeah. that's where the str- that's where the struggle is. That's yeah. It's like, it's like a, a hospital in theme hospital. Or a theme park in theme park. Theme park in theme park. Yeah. Uh, roller coaster in roller coaster. It's a tycoon. Yeah. yeah. That was a great game. Yeah. That was a great game. That, those games are basically capitalism. Mm. Could be like the moving castle in Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. <laughs> I've actually still, I've actually not seen that. Oh, it's good, it's very good, mm. very good film. We've um, my my girlfriend has a uh, uh, quite a large Studio Ghibli selection. Okay, and we've been binging that over the last month or so. Okay, sweet. It's very good. It's um, I think it points to a real gap in our imagination in the UK I think when it comes to being able to make things mm. like that like, should we have the animation conversation now shall I finish the anecdote about kicking two people out of either uh, <laughs> or man I'm not either or I'm just in awe of this right now I'm, I'm, just, I'm just actually just appreciating all of this like so yeah I've bang on about this a lot but uh, with, with pretty much anyone who will listen or even anyone who's nearby people at bus stops you name it um, oh, yeah. uh, the British animation industry it's terrible needs to be better um, it's, now there's a caveat in there is that I think the British actually do children's animation pretty well but film animation um, film is certainly not something that we've no. not. I think not since the days of Iron Man yeah um, and uh, an adult animation we've just had such a blind spot for mm. I the I think the last British animated well we don't well first of all we don't do enough we don't do enough of them um, but the last one I think that came out was a film called The Queen's Corgi which looked absolutely dreadful is that the one with um, Jack White Jack White as yeah, yeah, yeah. a, a dog Jack White was a dog yeah but, I, um, so I didn't realise that was a British animation I assumed it was just like some Hollywood one that was a bit set in Britain no I think it's I think it's a I think it's a British okay, animated cool. I think All it's right. a British well, animated that's... thing and um it just looked awful. But um, 
I remember reading. They had that kind of like that that modern sort of. Yeah, ever since uh, DreamWorks and that started yeah. trying to com- trying to c- compete with Pixar. Yeah. And so all of a lot of three D animated. Uh, no, what's what's the term? Not three D animated. Is it three D animated? Yes, three D animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, a lot of three D animated films have that same sort of style now. Yeah. Like where all the eyes are kind of like bunched up together and the cheeks are fat and mm. like, you know there's that, 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 there's like certain dimensions that CG characters seem to have. That have become kind of boilerplate, mm. um, which is something that Pixar were actually usually quite keen to avoid. Yeah, I think in their at least in the early days, and even in stuff like Up, where like Up is obviously set in a human world. Yeah, um, and well, things like Toy Story and that as well, as well. But it was actually humans were the main characters yeah. in Up. But they're still they've still got kind of like interestingly deformed sort of dimensions mm. to them, and it has its own sort of like palette. Mm. I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. Whereas things like Queen's Corgi, from what I remember, it didn't seem to be particularly distinctive in its, mm. its graphic style. I remember like reading about it before it came, before it came out as like this film. Because uh, it said that Ray Winston is going to star in, the, in this film. It's like, oh great, great! Like I'd actually pay, I'd actually pay a bit of money, even though it's a film shit, mm. to see Ray Win- to hear Ray Winston voice the queen's dog because yeah. i think that's just so that would be against a, time that'd be a funny juxtaposition i yeah. think yeah actually that, that would be brilliant why didn't they do that uh, like, i have no idea actually, it's nothing against jack Whitehall, by the way although i mean you know I uh, yeah yeah i mean god love him i don't oh, i've not met him is yeah. the thing like yeah. I, I generally tend to save uh my disses for people after i've met them yeah yeah anyway, i'm um, not a fan of his comedy Mm-hmm. But I like him on chat shows and stuff. I'll give him that. Because oh. he can hold the room, but give up. He can give enough breath to, well, give enough space for other guests to um, bring. Well, I, guess I, to just bring remember that thing, I just remember that thing where was it him and James Corden? Was it James Corden? When they got like wasted on the big fat quiz of the year and oh. uh, and they they threw some meat pizza into and some vegans in the audience <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. It was a really bait kind of thing that they they did, but like you know, it was. It was funny. No, (laughs) no, that wasn't the point. I was sorry. I was kind of guessing. I was like, sorry. Um, no, I'm not into that. No, okay, it's a bit of a. It's It's not even. It's not even necessarily before anyone's listened to this thinking I'm going to switch this FJW card. No, it's not. It's not about that necessarily. I'm, I'm. I'm. Vegetarian. Yeah. Um, I have no qualms about jokes like that. Um, I just like to hear some new ones. Yeah. Because the two two main ones are basically uh, um, like number one. Oh, here's, here's a vegetarian person or vegan. Let's feed them some meat. That would, yeah. That'd be a lark. Yeah, that's um, hilarious. And uh, the other one is uh, oh, okay. So there's three. Like the second one is uh, and every like shitloads of comedians do this one. You know the one where they basically just kind of like, oh, any any vegans in? Oh yeah. And it's like, oh no, no, you won't have the energy to put your hands oh, on. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Got him. <laughs> I hate that. Got him. I hate that. I I hate that. Burn. I hate that. Burn at the stake that you can't eat. <laughs> and then uh. What's that? Yeah. That's- 
going to make you a really funny comment about the, that noise and uh, it torpedoed it. Now, <laughs> no, so. no, 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 the noise, the noise is still in there. There's still a little bit of noise. Well, it's just going to be a lot of editing for oh, you. Uh, it's which not, it's not going to be at all. Trust me, I'm going to be. I'm, <laughs> all I'm going to do is literally like half it. I, I, what I'm saying is, I did, I did a podcast. Uh, the last podcast I did. Um, I I made comments as we went along about like how much time we had left and which stuff needs to be edited out and that and then I listened to the podcast and it just put all of it up. Yeah. So I don't I don't trust podcasters anymore. <laughs> like, I, I do my own edits in real time now. <laughs> and then and then what's probably gonna happen to this is that all the edits I do in real time are gonna cut out so I just sound like an absolute heathen. Um, and the third joke <laughs> about uh, um, vegans and vegetarians is uh, how do you know if someone's vegetarian or vegan? They'll tell you. Uh, um, and there's very good reason for that, isn't that? It's because that generally it's assumed as a default that uh, uh, people are meat eaters, and so therefore, uh, if you are in a place where food is a thing, then yes, they, they will they tell will you tell so you, yeah, that you exactly, don't yeah. call them a steak by mistake. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of. <clears throat> their lifestyle yeah. and they should be allowed to say and and this and that but um, people don't usually um, people don't usually tend to allow logic to get in the way of good meme exactly why would you <laughs> it's not what memes are for oh no memes are not for logic memes are just for fleeting ADD the, the fleeting ADD personalities that we have to do you use memes Sometimes, yeah. sometimes. What, yeah. was that? what was the last meme you? The last meme that I I saw was. I guess that's a that counts as usage. Yeah, I absorbed it, and it was yeah. internet knowledge. But I think the, I think you might have seen this as well. Um, it was the one where there's a comedian speaking speaking to an audience member, mm-hmm. and the audience member has has um. The caption gig offering over it, and then the comedian. So then the comedian has emailed at the top of it. At the top of it. I mean, I, I, it's, I guess I guess the delivery is what sells it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I've seen that one. Have you not? I don't. Well, I, I, if you've seen one meta comedy meme, you've seen them all. Yeah, it's basically just about like oh admin. That's a pile of shit, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't mind. Do you hate it when promoters ignore you or pay you an exposure? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I, mean, I just I just don't like it when anyone comments on anything they do ever. <laughs> just can't stand it. That's why. <laughs> Take a step outside and look at yourself, man. It's first problem. <laughs> so, um, what got you into stand-up? Um... Well, uh, I'd like to say it was Jack Whitehall, but uh, okay, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> gee, I was so incensed by chicken throwing, I thought, like, I'm gonna, I want to get into comedy so I can throw some artichoke. <laughs> <clears throat> um, going to stand up. I think um, it's it's an economical form of uh, performance. Yeah, like you literally need, need nothing but yourself to do it. That's you true. Don't need uh, you don't need other people to uh, <laughs> to uh, give scripts out to and rehearse. No, <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Even though you can't have people give scripts to you. You don't need directors. You don't need um, uh, dramaturgs. You don't need any of those. Yeah. Any of those things. Um, 
you can write stuff on the day mm. and then just say it and then just say it in front of people well allegedly allegedly at, yeah. uh, <laughs> some open mic gig in central london on tuesday yes um so there's that but obviously i wasn't thinking any of that when i first started doing stand-up no. uh, well actually apparently what i was but like um when did you start uh, well, that's an interesting question. Would you like to know when I first started doing it with some regularity, or would you like to know about no. my first ever gigs? First ever gigs. So, I did drama at uni because uh, I didn't learn from the previous anecdote. <laughs> and um, uh, well, we had a, one of the modules on the course was called Popular Entertainment Styles, oh. and um, in that we looked at uh, stand-up comedy, we looked at sitcom, and we looked at pantomime. Um, and the end of course assessment was to form one of those art forms, and I decided to do stand-up because for the aforementioned reasons it saved me having to try and get a group together yeah. and um, get annoyed <laughs> at their lack of comic chops. So um, so I decided to do a thing by myself. Um, I did a... So it was, it was nominally a character piece. Mm-hmm. I did a, a homeless character called Johnny Cashless. Perfect. <laughs> and... Um, it was kind of meant to be, I guess, uh, my inspirations at the time were like Dylan Moran and Bill Bailey. Yeah. And I liked them because they, because of their way of surrealism, yeah. basically. Um, and I thought, I like surrealism, I want to do surrealism, but I felt like me as a human being, people would not buy surrealism from me. Mm. So for some reason in my head, I thought like, oh, what? What would sell that? Or I know if I pretended that I have no income <laughs> or house whatsoever <laughs> and I'm, I'm just some lunatic you found in the street. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I obviously realise all the ethical problems with, <laughs> with, with that idea now. Um, but when you're young and you're starting out, like you're, you're just saying stuff, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you kind of are. Also, like, I had long hair at the time. Oh, okay. And um, I think there's this aspect of comedy where you have to have some awareness of what you look like and how you perceive. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, so I, was, I was chatting to someone the other day, actually, about there's one comedy course in London. Which? Which, which um, uh, I won't name them because I, I want people to waste their money trying to find out. But basically... Uh, they, were, they were saying to me about this, this course that uh, one of the first exercises that everyone has to do in it is um, a point to one member of the group say, right, what do you think of this person? Like, what, what do you think they look like? What do you reckon they do for a living? All this kind of stuff. Right? So mm. no introductions whatsoever. They just get you to do all of that. Nice. Um, obviously, the catalyst for that yeah. Or the, the reason for that is that they're trying to generate all the opening, I know what you're thinking, Bill Audie's yeah. let himself go kind of um, yeah. jokes yeah. that most comedy courses seem to have real ponchons for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I had limited self-awareness. I think I still do 
uh, as to how I perceived by other people. But back then, I assumed that if I had long hair and looked a bit scruffy, which I did, then people probably thought um, I, I slept rough. Okay. <laughs> so I decided to try and double down on that. Um, but the material itself was just kind of like surrealist sort of monologue about um, idealised house buying and stuff like that. You know, like I could get a property, but it didn't have a direct view to my favourite WH Smith. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, I can imagine you still doing that kind of thing now. Um, if I did, it would be a lot better. Yeah, um, I mean, not, not, like, not, not like... Well, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it'd be worse. Not like that. Well, not like that specifically, but in that vein where it is... Because I do see you as a little bit... Because um, I don't want to give the MacGuffin in that away, but I do see you as a bit more surrealist than your regular stand than your regular stand up and I think that's what's great about you on the stage to be honest. It leads me to wonder what's wrong with these regular stand ups. Why, wrong with why these... don't they think the same thing as me? <laughs> I'm trying to find my people here. Why are all these people talking in a, a, a vernacular that I can't possibly achieve? <laughs> I don't bloody know. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, I did quite poorly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but a lot of that was down to like I hadn't. I think I'd written it quite last minute and hadn't really learned it or rehearsed it or anything like that. So, and from what I remember from my performance, because I didn't watch it back, I didn't record it or anything like that, but. Uh, I think I had a few ticks yeah. happening in there. I do remember I had a Velcro watch at the oh, time no. and I kept kind of oh, no. doing that. Like, not constantly, but enough for it to probably be a distraction. Mm. And, um, but, you know, I came out of it thinking, well, that went all right. And then I got, uh, it was like a low C oh. for that performance. So I, I kind of like... I was a bit, a, bit, a bit taken aback by that. If I was honest, I was like, "What did I do wrong?" And then, uh, and then the, the, the um, lecturer showed me the feedback, and it's kind of like, "Well, I know that's all correct, but what did I do wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> what kind of things did they say? Like, I can't remember. Do you know? I, I skim read it because good. actually, I think I, in the end, I kind of, I know exactly what I did wrong. I, I yeah. didn't do a good performance. Yeah. For writing. Yeah. Um. And so from that, I kind of concluded that um, whilst I would like to do stand-up, um, maybe now is not the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was 20, not, not now now. Like yeah. 20, 20, 20 now. Uh, should, I should probably be having those conversations with myself at this point as well. But, um, and, uh, and then a, a year later at university, uh, my mate and I went to this stand-up comedy competition uh, in the student union and we were just there to watch because we'd been watching some of the comedy gigs there and this one was uh, it was an interesting one it was like I think I can't remember what the prize was you got to do like your set at some like, pro gig somewhere in like London or something like that and, uh, which I think was a lot more scarce at the time so yeah. but um Hardly anyone had anything that you would consider to be a proper stand-up set. Okay. Um, and after watching a bunch of people and having a few beers, 
watching his act flailing around, I was just kind of like, I'm no, good. I'm having a go. Nice. <laughs> um, and I went up and I had, uh, had two jokes, uh, both of which went down really well. And uh, also, I made an offhand comment about um, the backdrop for the, uh, the stage was like, you know, the Paramount Comedy logo? Yeah. It was usually used for that as a sponsor for their comedy gigs, but it was turned around uh, on this occasion because it wasn't a Paramount sponsor show, so okay. obviously you couldn't show it, but they still yeah. needed the backdrop. Yeah. But you could still see the faint outline yeah. of it, and it was really vague, and to me, it looked like Pac-Man vomiting. <laughs> so I went up on stage and I said, this looks like Pac-Man vomiting. And I, I got like a, a round of applause for Good. the thrilling insight into what certain shapes look like. As you fucking should. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you very yeah. much. And, um, and then I did my two jokes. I think one of them was about... Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't do this one anymore, so I'm fine to give this out and run out. But, um, yeah, about being, like, like bikes, about village, you know the phrase, the village bike? Yeah. And I said, uh, well, if I was a bike, I'd be a penny farthing. <laughs> People only ride me for novelty value. And, um, and that got a laugh. And then there was something about, um, there was something about, uh, I forget who it was about, but, like, it was praised, uh, they said, Someone said that this, this guy was a fish out of water amongst women. And uh, I inferred that meant he had crabs. <laughs> and uh, so I did those two jokes. It went well. And then I ended my set by saying, um, I'm not going now because I'm bored. And, uh, was that that was just the truth? I think well, I was drunk as well. And I had no, I had no other stuff prepared. So yeah. it would have, been, would have been garish to spend any more time up there. But, yeah. But it... Um, it was a bit of a confidence builder. It's good. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't get, I didn't win. I was going to say, yeah. Well, it would have been an insult to the people that actually prepared <laughs> if I had. I, I love the idea of you just going up and doing, and like with no experience, doing doing that and then winning. I mean, there's stories like that. Of, I mean, yeah, I think Greg, well, maybe not Greg Davis, but like someone, some well-known comic, I think, did like their first gig at a competition or something like that. Oh, Greg Davis's fourth gig was a competition final, I think. Possibly, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you never know. No, um, that's true. Uh, well, in my case, I, I do know. Um, <laughs> that, that didn't happen. No. But. So, following from that, well, how, how did you progress from there? Uh, Stop doing stand up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought. Stand-up comedy is something that benefits from life experience. Yeah, I think. Um, but the more you know, the more you've seen in life, the more of a catalogue of like ideas, and observations, and stuff you'll have to actually write a stand-up set. Mm. Um, so I thought, well, I'm 21 years old. I don't have that yet. Maybe I'll come back to it. And then, at 25 years old, came back to it. Um, but that doesn't mean by any stretch, I think, four years of life experience is enough. No. <laughs> it, was, it was more that I just got bored of waiting. And I was, yeah. I was in London, and there's, like, I'd moved to London uh, like in, in late 2010. What, for work reasons? Or? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I moved to... Uh, um, for a... a, 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 for a <laughs> 
I moved to London as a snake charmer. And, um, yeah, as you can see, I've gone off the boil a bit. Like, I... Um, oh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. But, um, oh, no, no, I don't. I just shout at them until they stop. Easy tiger. <laughs> I, should have, should, I should have called it Tiger. No, I no, gave him an idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I should have gave him a proper snake's name, like Antigone or something. Like Orkan. Is that, is that a snake's name? Or, or um, Zolum. Midka Zolum. Yeah. 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 Carry on. Uh, anyway, what, with, with snake names? Or no, the no, no, no. <laughs> the snake names will come back later, I'm sure. Okay. So that was the end of part one of my conversation with the wonderful Ian Lane. If you liked what you heard, please click up to part two.